Welcome to CCH Tax Talks from Walters Kluwer Tax and Accounting. This podcast series will bring you the latest news and industry insights from thought leaders and experts in the world of tax. Hi, and welcome to CCH Tax Talks. I'm Jack Gallagher, Product Marketing Manager for the Tax Software Portfolio at Walters Kluwer Tax and Accounting. Today's podcast episode covers the infrastructure bill and features a conversation with Mark Luscombe, Principal Analyst at Walters Kluwer Tax and Accounting. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Thank you, Jack. Glad to be here. Now, Mark, will you please give us a brief rundown and some highlights of the infrastructure bill? Okay. The current status of the infrastructure bill is that it has passed the Senate and is now before the House. And the House has promised to vote on the infrastructure bill by September 27th, but we will see if that happens. So the infrastructure bill was sort of what was left after an uh, effort to get a bipartisan bill through Congress. And uh, so it a lot was taken out from what was originally hoped to be in the infrastructure bill. A lot of Biden's tax increase proposals that were going to pay for infrastructure were left out of this bill, as were uh, taxes on gasoline, which is a traditional way to fund infrastructure. President Biden objected to that because it would raise taxes on people with incomes under 400,000, which he had promised in his campaign not to do. Then the bipartisan uh, group in the Senate came up with uh, IRS funding as a way to raise revenue because it would increase enforcement activity, but the Republicans objected to that. So now we are left with an infrastructure bill that has a few tax provisions, but they contribute relatively little to the funding of the bill. The primary funding vehicle is actually leftover COVID funds from uh, from states that uh, did not grant all of the unemployment benefits because they were concerned it was hurting people going back to work. So that left a lot of funds that they're using to try to pay for infrastructure. And so what's left in terms of taxes in the infrastructure bill are some uh, maybe about half a dozen provisions. The one that's getting the most attention relates to cryptocurrency reporting to try to uh, help the IRS get a handle on underreporting of cryptocurrency transactions. There's a change to the employee retention credit provision with respect to Superfund excise taxes, interest rate stabilization, and a change in private activity bonds and disaster relief. So those are those are some of the tax highlights that are in the uh, current version of the infrastructure bill. Also, interestingly, the uh, the House has said that they would vote on September 27th on the infrastructure bill without amendment, which is interesting because some people were going to try to get some changes in the House to the infrastructure bill. So we'll also see if that happens. Great. Thanks for that information. Now, we're also seeing reports that clients are reaching out to their tax professionals for help during the summer months, when it's traditionally a slower time for the accounting industry. Why do you think that is, Mark? I think there's quite a few things going on. One of the things is with all this tax legislation we have, the taxpayers are seeing a lot going on from the IRS during the year. We've got these tax payments coming out in response to uh, to help people with COVID. We've got payments for a change in the exclusion for unemployment benefits. And now we have advanced child tax credit payments where people are getting monthly payments from the IRS in advance of the child tax credit. A lot of people are not sure whether they 
should opt out of those child tax credit advance payments to determine whether they're entitled to them. So I think tax advisors have been very involved in dealing with these their clients in terms of trying to figure out what are these payments are and, and how they should handle them. I think another thing that's going on is all of these Biden tax proposals that are not in the infrastructure bill, but are still being debated by Congress, such as increase in the individual tax rates, increase in the capital gains taxes, changes in how estate taxes are handled. I think all of these people are having taxpayers come to their advisors wanting to know if there's something they can do in advance of those changes to prepare for them or perhaps avoid some of the tax impact of those changes. So I think those are the main things going on to uh, get people to uh, visit their tax advisors other than just a tax return preparation time. Gotcha. Now, are there any big changes to existing legislation in the infrastructure bill? Well, I think the the you know, the big change is probably with respect to the the employee retention credit. It was in legislation that was enacted at the beginning of this year. The employee retention credit was extended for six months from June 30, 2021, to December 31, 2021. However, the infrastructure bill as another revenue raiser would shorten that period to September 30, 2021, dropping off one quarter. So this uh, this leaves tax return preparers and their, their clients in sort of a lurch because obviously September 30 is coming up pretty quickly and this legislation, the House is just talking about passing it by um, September 27th. So that does not leave uh, clients a lot of time to figure out how long they have to use this employee retention credit. And especially if that deadline shifts in the house, we could be well into uh, into October when that is supposed to have expired before we know whether it is in fact going to expire. The IRS just came out with guidance at about the same time the infrastructure bill passed the Senate on how to handle the employee retention credit for the last two quarters of 2021. And that guidance would obviously have to change if, if the infrastructure bill is passes and we drop that last quarter. So that's going to be confusing for clients. I think the other uh, big issue people are talking about is, uh, is the cryptocurrency reporting, that a lot of people feel the cryptocurrency reporting provision is much too broad it changes the definition of broker as far as people who are required to do the reporting. And the definition of broker, a lot of people feel, includes people who wouldn't have the information to do the reporting. So there was an effort in the Senate to amend that provision. However, it did not pass in the Senate. And that's one of the things that they were going to try again in the House to get that definition of broker narrowed, but now that Speaker Pelosi has said that they would try to vote on it without any amendments, that may leave that provision in there as a very broad reporting requirement that concerns a lot of people in the cryptocurrency industry. So those are some of the major things that people are talking about. Some of the other changes, like with respect to Superfund excise taxes, that has, that has really returned after being around until the mid-90s a provision on interest rate stabilization for retirement plans that would raise a little revenue just by postponing uh, some interest rate changes. And then uh, 
Private activity bonds are expanded to include private activity bonds being authorized for qualified broadband projects and carbon dioxide capture facilities. And then on disaster relief, there would be some automatic extensions of times uh, for uh, people affected by federally declared disasters and also some extensions of the tax deadlines for people serving in combat areas. So yes, a lot of sort of minor provisions, but uh, in certain for certain taxpayers, they could be major changes. Great. Now, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about cryptocurrency. How is the infrastructure bill going to affect cryptocurrency and crypto reporting requirements specifically? Well, it's this definition of broker that I was just referring to. So it, it would include in the definition of broker people involved like in cryptocurrency mining and that sort of thing. So it it's not just necessarily these exchanges that are facilitating uh, transactions. So a lot of people are concerned that it really could be a very broad definition and catch people uh, sort of unsuspecting. And and like I said before, they wouldn't. Some of these people wouldn't necessarily have the information to do the required reporting to the IRS which creates a problem with compliance. So again, um, it remains to be seen whether in fact uh, there will be an amendment to try to narrow that. That's probably the the major issue that people are concerned about with the, the broad scope of this cryptocurrency reporting. Okay, got it. And then as a follow-up on that crypto question, will the change definition of broker in the infrastructure bill affect smaller businesses and individuals? Well, I'm not sure... Uh, it depends, I guess, on whether those smaller businesses and individuals are involved in cryptocurrency transactions. But if they are, it is certainly potentially uh, this definition of broker could potentially encompass them. And um, what should firms who work with small businesses be doing to communicate the potential impact of the infrastructure bill to their clients? Well, I think it's a uh, you know, it's something that we now have the Senate bill. It hasn't passed the House yet. The House has said that they will try to pass it without amendment. So it's something that I think is is timely enough for people to start discussing with their clients. And, and also not just the infrastructure bill, but also uh, the fact that Congress is also working on this much larger bill, which would be not bipartisan, but a sort of a Democratic-only bill that has a lot of uh, potential tax increase provisions. So those are those are things that also uh, taxpayers should be uh, aware of, and therefore the uh, tax professionals should be alerting to their clients to these possible changes. And besides that, it's all the existing legislation that's already passed, helping clients decide whether uh, they should uh, accept these advanced payments, the child tax credit, Unlike those economic impact payments where if you get too much, you get to keep it under the child tax credit. If you get too much, you have to pay it back. So people may who are anticipating a certain refund next year may find that if they get too much advance payments, they aren't getting their expected refund. So that's a that's a planning point that tax advisors will also want to uh, help their clients anticipate. Great. And do you think that the enacted and proposed tax changes present an opportunity for accountants and public accounting firms, both alike, to reach out to clients they may only communicate with on an annual basis to engage them in conversation? Very much so. And and hearing anecdotally that uh, tax practitioners are hearing from clients that they don't normally hear from except at tax return preparation time. 
and then they on the whole think that's a good thing you know you know a lot of tax professionals are probably still involved in uh, getting tax returns filed under under extensions uh, by the september 15th or october 15th tax deadlines but on the whole if they can uh, if they can be tax advisors to their clients as well as just tax preparation people with their clients, I think that creates a stronger relationship and uh, provides for a healthier tax return as well. Fantastic. And as a follow-up to that idea of reaching out to clients, what would you recommend that they discuss with these clients? What should they bring up to any new potential clients? Well, I think I'd say three things. The infrastructure bill and the provisions in that like cryptocurrency reporting the change in the employee retention credit and for particular clients things such as the uh, retirement plan changes and the change in the super fund taxes and also the interest rate stabilization i would also uh, raise all of these proposals in the second bill that's before Congress, the budget reconciliation bill, that's going to be 3.5 trillion at at most. And it uh, includes things like increase in the individual tax rates, increase in the corporate tax rates, capital gains tax rate increases, estate tax changes. So there's a lot in there that could uh, potentially impact clients. Of those, the only one talked about as being retroactive might be back to April is the capital gains tax increase. So that one maybe it's a little hard to plan for if that's really going to be effective retroactively. The other tax increases they have not proposed so far to be retroactive. So there might be some current planning opportunities to uh, to get around some of those tax increases. Um, and then the uh, the final thing is these uh, these you know, payments that are coming to taxpayers this year, the advanced child tax credit payments, these economic impact payments and how to handle those and uh, whether to opt out of the advanced child tax credits are all things that tax advisors will be wanting to discuss with their clients. Great information, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us for the CCH Tax Talks podcast. You're welcome, Jack. It was my pleasure. This Tax Talks podcast series is a 2021 production of CCH Incorporated. The content is for general information purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for legal, tax, or accounting advice.